This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, all right, we're getting you set. Lightning and Panthers tonight at Amelie Arena. This should be a good game. Lightning need um, some good mojo getting into uh, this one as um, coming off a game where they gave up seven goals. Dave Michigan is my partner. I am Greg Linelli. Steve Versink is producing and here to talk about the Lightning and the league a bit more. Our good friend from Sirius XM NHL Radio. That would be Scott Lachlan. Scotty, first off, bud, great to be with you again. And uh, how are things uh, with you and uh, covering this wild and crazy National Hockey League? You've got Vancouver up there, JT Miller saying things about the health of the players. It's um, It's been cr- pretty incredible to watch that from afar. Yeah, Greg, there's a lot going on. There's no question about that. And, you know, I know the next couple of hours are going to tell the tale. I guess we're, we're understanding that Vancouver is – after meeting with doctors, uh, going to take the ice, and then they talk with the league and the Players Association as to whether or not anything's going to change with their schedule. But 19 games in 31 days is going to be a challenge, uh, even at the best of times, I think, for teams out there. Uh, Given the circumstances, there's a lot going on for sure, and especially once you get into the final quarter of the season, and we just got to that point last night, uh, now with players with their new teams, you're wondering what kind of an influence, if any, those players can have on what their teams are trying to achieve. So it's a, a real interesting, busy time of the season, an exciting time nonetheless. I'm going to give a Twitter plug right now to Damian Echeverrieta, who works actually in the NHL office. He's not really related to scheduling or anything like that. He works in the player safety <laughs> department, but you know where I'm going here, Scott, since uh, I don't even yeah. know, he's probably been doing it five or six years now, but from the trade deadline on, he produces daily just a great resource. His Twitter handle is at etch28, E-C-H-28. So if you want to if you want to follow him, you'll get this resource every day. But he sends out in a calendar form Eastern Conference, Western Conference under normal seasons. This year he sends out four for each division. And it, it really, it really is a, a great up-to-date picture of what the playoff races look like. And you can look at every team's remaining schedule. And the reason I'm bringing this up is when the schedule was released, when he started doing this on Monday, you look at the Canadian division and you look at the Vancouver schedule and it's just like every box is filled. Like it really, it really illustrates (laughs) how crazy their schedule is going to be, but is it going to be? And I guess I'm wondering like, what is the likelihood that they're just not going to play all of the games that are currently on that schedule? Yeah, it's interesting, Dave. And first off on Damien, you're right. He does a fantastic job with that every year. I always get antsy at a certain point too, Dave. Like if we get to a point in the schedule and I haven't started to receive this, I'll like get in touch with Damien <laughs> and say, hey, have you started to send this out yet? Am I still on the list? I want to make sure I get what he's sending out. But to your point on Vancouver, I mean, look, we made note of it two months ago that when you went to NHL.com and you checked out the standings page, uh, you could see that points percentage very quietly, very subtly was thrust onto that page itself. And we figured that, you know what, that's just in case, just in case there's a team out there that cannot play in all 56 games. So I think there's always an option to go to points percentage, if only for the North Division when it's all said and done. Look, we had Elliot Friedman on with us earlier this morning, and you know he said that that's all well and good. The, the problem is, though, when you talk about teams like Vancouver and Ottawa, maybe Calgary, if Calgary can't make the playoffs, you're wondering how points percentage factors in by way of comparison to the rest of the league when it comes to the draft lottery. And how do you work it out that the other three divisions have gone by points 
and the North Division in the end might have to go by points percentage. So that's something that I'm sure that they'd have to deal with uh, should it get that far. I think we'll find out by the end of today just exactly where this is going. It almost feels like JT Miller, although he had concerns for he and his teammates, and no doubt the players ostensibly have concerns for their families as well because they've all gone through it out there in BC in the last couple of days and couple of weeks in particular. Uh, It sounds like they're going to play. It just sounds like that they've got some concerns as to how quickly they're coming back and having to play just uh, you know on the weekend with a 22-hour turnaround between games on Friday night and Saturday night and only having one practice to prepare for them too. So we'll see where it goes. Maybe there might be some fine-tuning, some tinkering done to what their schedule looks like. I think they're hoping to play the 56. Dave, we know deep down maybe they won't get that far. We'll have to wait and see. I think they've got a, a four-game slate coming up with the Ottawa Senators still to wrap things up, and maybe you can push that off towards the end. Uh, because those games essentially are not going to mean much because both teams are going to miss the postseason anyway. So there's a whole lot to be determined, and I think, relatively speaking, a very short time to make that determination in. One quick follow-up, follow Greg, uh, just on Vancouver to, to put a bow on this. So a player comes off the COVID protocol list when he is no longer testing positive, but we know that players cannot feel well even after the virus has left their system. And, and it sounds like the Vancouver players were hit pretty hard by this strain. Have you gotten a sense, Scott? Like, are the are the players well enough? I know that they may be testing negative, but are they in, in good enough physical condition to be able to play NHL games? It's a great question. And, and JT kind of addressed this. He, he, used the, he used the phrase, Dave, brain fog. And and to me, brain fog might be a little bit concerning because if your head's not right, you certainly cannot think the game. You cannot uh, obviously get yourself to operate the right way on the ice and what is the fastest sport that we know. That's where you sort of raise your eyebrows and go brain fog, man. That could be a little bit more concerning than just a a groin strain or a, a hamstring tweak along the way. Muscle pulls and such, you can kind of work through, miss a game or two and come back. If you've got a brain fog, what does that really mean? I mean, does that mean that the player's in danger by taking the ice? I think these are all things that have to be determined here in the coming hours before they get going on the weekend. We think they're going to get going on the weekend. Uh, Again, maybe that's subject to change based upon what's discussed a little bit later on this afternoon. Uh, But the reality is that they're going to have to play a lot, and you're going to need all your faculties, both physically and mentally, to be able to operate here down the stretch. And I think one thing is for certain, you know, there is, let's not kid ourselves, there is a financial component to all this, as there always seems to be with everything in life. But I think at the end of the day, the players and the Players Association in particular, if they've got concerns about safety issues or health issues with the players and their families, then I think they have to be addressed. Scott Lachlan from SiriusXM NHL Radio joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. Let's switch gears a bit here, Scotty. What did you make of the trade deadline and specifically what Tampa Bay did? Well, I liked it up until David Savard stepped on the ice a couple of nights ago, guys. It it, it seemed to be a, a pretty good pickup to get David Savard and even Freddie Clayson, the journeyman defenseman that he's turned out to be as, as an added depth maneuver on the back end as well. Look, I mean, minus four was no way to start. I know David Savard was not the only guy who was out there making mistakes for the Lightning. You know, you, you hear words like embarrassing coming from Ryan McDonough after the game and such, and Victor Hedman talking about needing to be better, and it starts with him. Uh, I, I think there were some concerns from that game itself. As you guys know, there have been some concerns from a structured defensive standpoint the last couple of weeks a little bit as well. 
that being said, it was only one game, and right now they're still right there uh, battling for top spot with the Panthers and the Canes. And you could look at it like the Lightning have got you know, their fate within their hands here with this six-game homestand, a season-long six-game homestand about to start, and knowing that the Panthers and the Canes are going to be there with them, uh, they have a lot, of course, to say in how these games are played here in the next week or so that might just determine who wins the division in the end. So as far as Tampa Bay is concerned when it comes to the deadline, I really like the fact that they picked up David Savard. Uh, I think he's going to have to be better, and, and that'll start tonight with him against the Florida Panthers. Uh, but he was a guy that was coveted, and, and somehow, some way, Tampa Bay always seems to find a way, whether it was with Iserman or whether it's now with Julian Brisebois, whatever you have to do uh, in, in juggling the balls, riding the unicycle, uh, that's what you have to do. You have to somehow make it work, and I would say the Bolts did fairly well, even though the first game certainly was not anything to write home about for David Savard. Scott, do you feel that there is a sweet spot for number of players a team adds at the deadline where if you're not adding anyone or maybe only adding one player, the fan base might say, well, we didn't do enough. And it always seems that quantity is equated to quality. <laughs> like we're adding all of these new players, but is there a point where you're adding too many players? And I guess I'm wondering about what Toronto did and maybe to a, to a lesser extent, Florida, I think Florida added five players to the deadline. I don't know how many players Toronto added. It felt like about 12. I know it wasn't that, like, is there a downside to to trying to integrate that many new players right before the playoffs begin? Well, I think that there is, Dave. I think there is probably, you know, a number that you get to where you say, you know what, this is just too much and we don't really need to add this much. You know, we talked to Jim Rutherford earlier this week, and as you guys know, he's often had, when he was a general manager and he hopes to get back in as early as next season, uh, but he's always been very active and aggressive in approaching the deadline, and he never leaves things usually till the 23rd hour to make a deal. We hearken back to when they won the Cup in Carolina back in 2006, and they got Doug Waite well in advance, like January, well in advance of the trade deadline, allowed him that extra time to, to form that bond with his uh, teammates on the ice and almost as importantly off the ice as well. Uh, I think you know trying to, to integrate new teammates – uh, into this fast-moving train at this stage of the season also proves difficult here in 2021, guys, for the obvious reason that, you know, you can't necessarily go on these these road trips and have these bonding experiences take place any longer where you can go out for these team dinners and such. I mean, you, you, you are what you are. You're a team on the road. The players, for the most part, are, are keeping to their hotel rooms and maybe allowed to go for a walk in the neighborhood. Beyond that, though, you can't necessarily have these experiences that, that bring guys close together very, very quickly. So uh, I, I think there is a danger in adding too much. Now, in the case of Toronto, you're right, Dave. I mean, they did add a heck of a lot. I lost track after a while, too, and I'm sort of in this market itself. Uh, we were talking today about the fact that maybe a guy like Joe Thornton, uh, who got off to a really good start this season and then was hit hard by the injury bug and has come back and has not been the same player, you know, I wondered whether or not he'd play next season. Mike Johnson, my co-host for the final hour on the program, was wondering whether or not he might be a healthy scratch come playoff time for the Leafs because they do have so many players now with Nick Foligno coming in, you know, maybe with Nick Foligno coming in and Jason Spezza and Wayne Simmons and the list goes on and on seemingly, maybe there's not even a spot for a future Hockey Hall of Famer like Jumbo Joe to actually play a part in Toronto's playoff run. So that'll be interesting uh, to monitor here as we go forward, uh, but Toronto's deep. The question is whether or not on and off the ice, they're going to be a better team in the end. 
Scott, do you think the lack of scoring is starting to catch up with the Lightning and that's directly attributed to Nikita Kucherov not being there? Or do you feel like these are just the ebbs and flows and this is a Lightning team that will be okay come playoff time and defensively is where they really need to focus? Yeah, I think first and foremost, defensively, Greg, to answer your question, is where they need to focus and get back to what made them successful throughout the the, the most part of the schedule, of course, up until recently. Uh, I also think, too, when you look at the Lightning roster and with Stamkos being out, I guess we found out today probably likely another week for Steven Stamkos to be on the sideline. So with Steven Stamkos being out and Kucherov not playing, uh, albeit coming back at the most important time of the season, we all think, uh, that certainly adds a different dynamic uh, to it for Tampa Bay, clearly. I'm not exactly splitting the atom with that statement. So the offense, I think, is going to be there. Look, we've seen with a team like Nashville, which can be offensively challenged at the best of times, we have seen the remarkable run that the Predators have gone on. And where does this offense come from? All of a sudden, it's coming from these unexpected sources and, and sources that you expected from. Guys like Roman Yossi driving play from the blue line. They've, they've reaped the benefits of him being with them coming off injury for the last 12 games and such. And Ailey Tolvin and, you know, is starting to turn the corner here and maybe live up to the hype that they expected of him, as well as a kid in his early 20s for Nashville. Uh, so all of a sudden, you start to see signs of it. And, and sometimes it is the ebbs and the flows. But I think at the end of the day, Greg, ultimately when you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning and you see no Stamkos and you see no Kucherov for the entire season, you, you see a couple of holes here. Can they win the Stanley Cup without Stamkos and without Kucherov? I don't think so. I think most people would concede that that wouldn't be possible. But I think we all know that they're coming back. Stamkos sooner than Kucherov likely. Uh, but when the playoffs begin, we accept, expect to see both of those guys making their marks once again for Tampa Bay. And I don't think we'll be talking too much about offensive deficiencies. Scott, you mentioned Nashville. They're certainly hot, 13-3 and three in their last 16. Maybe besides the Predators, what teams around the league do you see trending in the right direction as we hit the stretch run here? Boy, that's a great question uh, as I look at it. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, I, I guess Calgary? Can we say the Calgary Flames are trending in the right direction? I mean, it didn't look like it. And then all of a sudden they go to Toronto and play that Daryl Sutter style. They beat the Leafs. They go to Montreal last night. Uh, they don't give up much, only one goal in the end, and they get four, which is an offensive bonanza for the Calgary Flames, I think, these days, especially being coached by Daryl Sutter, who's very detail-oriented and very structured. They've got that game coming up in Montreal again tomorrow night. If they win that one, all of a sudden it's down to two points, and then you wonder, as Montreal start to feel the heat despite the games in hand that they would still have on the Calgary Flames? So, you know, as far as, you know, recency bias goes, I'd have to say the Calgary Flames are trending in the right direction, which is something that a week to ten days ago I probably could not have foreseen myself as talking that way. I think the Rangers are playing good hockey. I just don't know whether or not the time is right for them to have enough to get past a team with the pedigree of the Boston Bruins. And now Taylor Hall is with the bees. He's playing, I think in an ideal role for him. I don't think he's the guy to drive the ship any longer. I think he's more of a complimentary piece. And in Boston, as we know, that's all you need when you've got arguably the top line in the league leading the way most nights uh, I think you're just looking for Taylor Hall to be that secondary source alongside a guy uh, like David Krejci. Uh, as far as the Honda West division goes, I'm, I'm trying to think about that one a little bit here. And, you know, St. Louis has had the opportunity here to start to distance themselves a little bit from the Arizona Coyotes because all of a sudden the Coyotes have fallen on hard times and dropped five straight games. Los Angeles, I guess, didn't want to make their push. San Jose's dropping games to the Anaheim Ducks like they're going out of style lately. So it's almost like St. Louis, despite the fact that they haven't necessarily gone on any sort of a tear at this point, and they lost to Colorado last night, 
it's almost like St. Louis is almost going to push their way into the playoffs in that Honda West division almost by default. So there are some teams going in the right direction, no question about it. I think there are some teams obviously to be concerned about as well. Scott, last question on my end, going back to my home states, I think you could probably look at two teams and say, I wasn't expecting that, and that would be the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Philadelphia Flyers. A lot of people were high on the Flyers, I was as well, coming into the season. They have been awful, and maybe you can look at their goaltending for that. Conversely, Pittsburgh, I didn't like their roster when camp started. But now you can almost make the case, if everybody comes back healthy, that might be one of the deepest forward groups you have in the NHL. Oh, there's absolutely no question about that, Craig. And, you know, Malkin coming back is going to help for sure. Uh, when everybody is healthy again, they, they should be good to go. Crosby, as has often been the case, as we have well documented over the years, whenever Malkin's out, Crosby picks it up. And whenever Crosby's out, Malkin picks it up and just kind of kind of runs with it from there. I think the big questions about Pittsburgh certainly were about goaltending. And when Brian Burke and Ron Hextall took over in the front office in Pittsburgh, I, I said, you know what, they're going to give it about two or three weeks. They're going to give Tristan Jari every opportunity to prove that he was that all-star that we saw in St. Louis. Uh, they're going to give Casey DeSmith an opportunity to play a couple of games as well, see what they've got in the backup goaltender. And I think both of those goaltenders, I don't know whether it was by coincidence or whether it was because there was more maybe uh, under the microscope for them now with the, with the new brain trust in the front office leading the way. Maybe they had to step up and play and perform or else. Uh, but both those goaltenders have been really good, much, much better uh, than before uh, Hexie and, and Berkey got into Pittsburgh. As far as Philadelphia goes, yeah, what a major disappointment the Flyers have turned out to be. Uh, our good friend Keith Jones on the Flyers postgame show a couple of nights ago used the word disaster when he talked about the Flyers. I mean, who would have thunk that going back to the start of this season with the great high hopes that they had in Philadelphia? But right now it's a disaster. There are plenty of holes to plug. It's much more than just losing out on Matt Niskanen and having him unexpectedly go off into retirement during the offseason. There were even too many holes for Chuck Fletcher to try to plug uh, in that boat at the trade deadline that he kind of sat back and was virtually inactive too. So uh, this season is turning out to be a bit of a write-off for the Philadelphia Flyers. And, you know, they've got some, some issues to address during the offseason in Philadelphia, no question about it. Chuck Fletcher seems to be really committed to L.A. Vigneault. And I think A.V., despite the disappointing season that Philadelphia's endured so far this campaign, I think Vigneault comes back to get going on next season, and he'll be there in training camp in September. But there's no question about it. Any way you slice it, this season has been a disappointment for the Philadelphia Flyers. Scotty, great stuff. As always, let people know when they can listen to you every day. Well, the NHL morning skate gets underway at 7 o'clock Eastern time. I usually get to sleep about an hour uh, later, uh, although that's not really the case because we've got a new puppy in the last year or so, and that <laughs> puppy just doesn't seem to want to let me sleep uh, too long in the morning. Uh, regardless, I join in with the guys on the NHL morning skate, NHL Network Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 91, each day, 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 a.m. Pacific. I'm with those guys for a couple of hours. Then Mike Johnson, former National Hockey Leaguer, former Lightning member, uh, he drops by for the final hour of the show at 10 o'clock Eastern time as well. So uh, we have a great time doing it every morning. And, of course, the stakes are being uh, upped a little bit here down the stretch. It makes it even yep. more exciting to talk about it. Those are the guys. Oh, so it's always a blast. Best time of the year coming up for sure. And, Scotty, we'll make sure we check in with you, get your thoughts on the playoff series that will develop here, and we'll continue listening to the great work you do. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you, Scott. All right. Anytime, guys. Thank you. All right, that is Scott Lachlan from SiriusXM NHL Radio. You know, it's funny, Dave. 
I always like sticking it to the Philadelphia Flyers fans. <laughs> yes, That's not do. a surprise. But I think Lightning fans also appreciate that because I don't think they like the Flyers either. You know, it was funny. Uh, a quick story. You, you probably remember this playoff series, Dave, because you have a very good memory. It was, I want to say it was 2012. The Flyers beat the Penguins. I believe yeah. it was in six. A lot of goals like a, that series. A lot of goals that series. But I remember on national TV, and this is where people get hyperbolic and need to take the emotion out of it. Pierre Maguire. Um, who else? Uh, there was a few other guys that just wanted to say, and they did, that Claude Giroux passed Sidney Crosby as the best player in the game. And that, honestly, like, like Giroux had a good year. I can't believe people made that comment and ran with it. People in Philadelphia especially did. But there were some national media members that went with that as well. And look, Drew's a good player. But Dave, he hasn't come close to Sidney Crosby. And But I remember that series, a lot of people felt like it was the, the passing of the torch. Hard to believe you know? that was nine years ago. Isn't that crazy? So... I don't know if you're going to enjoy this or not, but but I look at the Penguins' trajectory, and they have had, by any measure, a terrific run with Crosby and Malkin. They reached the final in 08. They won the Cup in 09, back-to-back -back Cups in 16 and 17. Yep. But I think about the other years, 2010, they, they should have gone deeper. Montreal upset them, Game 7 at home. That was That was a stinger. 2011, the Lightning rallied from 3-1 down. I understand they didn't have Crosby or Malkin in that series, but sure. they certainly played well enough. Mm -hmm. That was a first-round series. Who knows how far they would have gone without those two guys, but but they had that series. They were up 3-1. No no the doubt. 2012 series was a series where who knows what happened, but they certainly didn't defend very well. 2013, they got to the conference final, right, and lost to Boston. Boston's Dave, a very only, good team, but I mean, that's another year that. where they had a shot. And then they were up 3-1 on the Rangers in 2014. That was the Marty St. Louis Mother's no Day doubt. series, right? Had, that's why the back-to-backs in many Not ways. Not Mother's Day. His, his mom passed away during yes. that series. but They have had some big-time heartbreaks. That's why the back-to-backs in many ways, I, I, I don't want to say salvaged Crosby's legacy in some capacity and Malkin's to a lesser extent. But you win three cups, people will overlook some of those disappointments. Yeah. I'll tell you what was really interesting about the Boston series. And if you remember that, they got swept, right? They got swept, but they scored two goals. Yeah. And what I will tell you, because you asked this question to Scott, you asked this question the other day, the teams that make a lot of moves at the deadline, Pittsburgh at the deadline. I don't know if you remember this acquired Jerome McGinley, Brendan Morrow. I remember Brendan Morrow. Cause he Douglas came Murray. to the lightning shortly thereafter. Yeah. Douglas Murray. And I think it was UC Jokinen. And James Neal was asked, they did this piece in The Athletic about making too many moves. And they talked about that Pittsburgh team specifically. And James Neal to this day says, I don't know how we didn't win the cup. We had so much talent. But the point was, Ray Shiro just added so many pieces. And again, ended up playing the opposite wing he was used to. And Murray was slow, but he was physical. It, it really didn't work out. And it just... It was almost like Dan Balsma had too many pieces to work with, Dave, because yeah. that year the pens were rolling and they make all these trades. And it's like, all right, uh, did you need to make them? Yeah. And that was a year in a way, a little bit like this one. And that it was a shortened year. 
It was shorter than this it year. It was, you're and right. That was the lockout short season, so 48 games, something like that, 46, yeah. 48 games. But I look back at that run, because you mentioned the 2012. 2012, I'll put to the side. They lost in the first round. Who knows if they would have gone as, as deep as they could have. But if you look back at the opportunities squandered, 2010 for sure. 2010, they claim they were out of gas from the previous two runs. Well, That's the okay, but you're still people. losing a game seven at home to a Montreal team that and Crosby kind of, takes they, a penalty a minute into that game. Well, I don't remember that. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember that he well. Takes a minute, but, he takes a penalty, and then Montreal scores the first four. Yeah, but 2010 for sure. 2013, if you want to say, they got to the conference final yeah. in 2014. You're up 3-1 of the Rangers in the second round. No doubt. They would have gotten Montreal in the conference final. I don't know that they win the cup those sure. years, but those were those were opportunities. Oh, for sure. For sure. You're absolutely that right. That 2012 series, I think that – wasn't that the first – Maybe it was the Lightning series too, but the first time that you started to hear, well, Flurry, Flurry yeah. maybe isn't the guy for us either well, because anymore Vokun, or whatever. If you remember, Vokun ended up playing against the Boston Bruins in 2013. They went to Vokun after Flurry struggled. I think it might have been in the first round. And now Flurry passes who? Eddie Belfour for most wins. Yeah, good in for the National him. Hockey League, and he'll be in the Hall of Fame. What a career. Yeah, it's 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 incredible. So just it's interesting when we talk about the trade deadline, but I mentioned I like to stick it to Philadelphia whenever I can. It's always fun to do that. Well, and look, the Panthers weren't just adding like they did trade Connolly, so they moved a guy off their roster and they lost Ekblad, yeah. so they had to to fill a spot. They had to do something. They had to do something. But I'll be curious, and and who knows how much Walmart and Carlson, the guys they got from Chicago, will actually play. I don't I don't know that they may just be depth pieces. But when you're adding, like the Lightning added Goodrow and Coleman last year and Bogosian, it turned out he played a lot. But I do think there's a difference between three and like six, five to six. So it may be for the Panthers that the the main ads are going to be Bennett, Montour, and potentially Gusev. And Montour right. is taking the spot vacated by Ekblad. And maybe Gusev, I don't know how they're going to use him, but Connolly was like a depth right winger. Maybe they're looking at Gusev in that in that way as well. I guess we're going to learn more yeah. as the teams play four times between now and the end of the regular season and potentially in the playoffs too. But let's see, let's see how they do with a higher number. And let's see how Toronto does. I mean, Scott didn't even give us the number. I suppose we can look up how many deals Toronto made at and before the deadline. But they added a lot of new faces. Lot. I wonder what the, the biggest one was. I mean, they're they're talking about Felino as the, yeah the savior. In well, and they added the goalie you know, Riddick, Riddick right? from Calgary. Yeah, yep. which which helps. I mean, the thing is, Campbell's played so well, and but Anderson's been the guy. I, I don't know what to make of that. That might be just one of those things where you go with a goaltender who's hot. I I just I don't know, and it's it's tough to gauge that division. I think in general, but you know, Carter for Hagee too for Florida. I mean, we're not going to see him tonight because he's out week to week. I think for their sake. Yeah, and maybe they had a know. sense because he got hurt two games ago. So yeah. I guess that was, was that before the deadline? Maybe he got hurt and they're like, you know what? Now we need to, the Gusev was. wasn't even a trade. Like the no. Devils released him. So they just signed him as a free agent, kind of like the Bogosian situation yes. last year for the Lightning. Yes, it's exactly what it was. A little risk, I mean, but you're still adding a, a, a new piece to your formula, Correct. which has worked pretty well this year. It has. It has. No doubt about that. At Bolts Radio, hit us up on Twitter there. I might get into the JT Miller comments when we come back. And uh, still, if you want to talk about 
Line combinations tonight, you can. Baraboule on the first line. Colton moves up to the second. Tyler Johnson centering the fourth line. Luke Shen in. And Savard looks like he was paired with McDonough. Chernak with Hedman. We can discuss that a little bit more. Of course, Vassy starting tonight. Lightning and Panthers. We'll take a break. We'll come back, wrap things up. He's Dave Michigan. I am Greg Linelli on Lightning Power Play. The perfect social distancing distraction for your lunch hour. This is Power Lunch, only on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. How about this opportunity you may get at Amelie Arena, Dave, where you can watch a movie, be part of the Stanley Cup experience with a couple family members or friends. So the Lightning, they're creating this experience for one lucky Bolts fan with a room and boards, which will transform a luxury loft at Amelie Arena into an unforgettable bookable experience, complete with a special guest, the most famous trophy in sports, the lucky guest. They're going to be moving in for the night on Saturday, April 24th, with proceeds benefiting the Lightning Foundation. That is You do cool. get to bring five guests. It is five. So so it's six. So the, you maybe are friends with somebody who is a lucky fan. That's true. You're a really lucky fan because you're friends with the lucky fan. So this once-in-a-lifetime experience, Dave, includes a five-course chef, chef pairing dinner, a private champagne happy hour, the opportunity to skate on the ice, a behind-the-scenes tour of the facility, watching a movie on Lightning Vision, and more. It's interesting you led with the movie. Yeah. You didn't want to lead with the skating on the ice or the five no, course the movie. You get to, you get to set the off the Tesla coils. That'd Greg's all about the movie. And about the movie. If you got to pick your movie and you you won this night, what movie would you pick? What would be a good movie to show on the scoreboard? So these are two different arena questions. for you and five of your friends. With these the are two account. different questions. What would be a good movie to watch there, or what would I want? Yeah, no, no, in that experience, like if you are the winner, <laughs> I'm assuming you are going to pick. So you have to keep in mind your five guests. So do you stay hot? I mean, I mentioned to you, you know how like they have these videos of teams that win a championship. You kind of go back and you watch how they got there, and I, I think that would be cool. Take yeah. that off the table. Yeah, do you just go hockey? Do you go miracle? Yeah, I was thinking miracle. Like that? If you wanted to be a little raunchy or maybe slap shot, but that yeah. would be appropriate. I think that's probably pretty cool. But I, I think actually it would be neat just to go back and watch if somebody put together, you know, with with the radio TV sound, you know, whether it's you and, and Espo or, you know, uh, whoever doing some of the the play-by-play behind the scenes during that run. I think that would be fun. That's probably what I would do. I mean, the skating, that's cool. Yeah. You know, I think the food, would be that's going to be a lot of fun. And I think just staying <laughs> in Amelie Arena, that would be a pretty cool experience. Hey, Greg, you have and two young girls. You, can... you, you have two young girls. You don't have a choice. You're watching Frozen on the big screen. <laughs> true. It's true. And you could spend some Hard time admiring the Stanley Cup. Yeah, of course. My that's, little... that's, I think, one of the things that makes the trophy so neat is that it's not only a trophy, it's it's like an historical artifact, right? Well, and it's it's perfect for my daughter, Alaria, to climb in it. <laughs> yes. Because that's what she wants to do. <laughs> a champagne bath for Alaria? A champagne bath for Alaria. I think she would absolutely love Dad wouldn't like that because I have to clean that all up, but that would be a lot of fun. So that is, that is Steve. Now, Steve, when can people... How do, how do they sign up for something like this? It looks like you can book an experience at 
airbnb.com slash h slash bolts beginning yep. Monday, April 19th. Is that right? At noon? That's correct. Noon okay. Eastern Standard Time. So All right. So do it. Do it, folks. A lot of fun. Check it out. Um, let's see. Do we have any tweets coming in before I get to one or two? What, we don't have to spend a ton of time on it, Dave. we got like five minutes left on the show. The JT Miller situation. It's funny how you and I have talked about this, too, where we've said it's not necessarily about COVID that players are worried about, although in a roundabout way, if you have it and it saps your energy, that certainly can play a role in how well you perform. I always maintain, and I think you kind of agree, that to me it's more about the condensed schedule, and I think that has more of an effect on a player when you take a look at the amount of games in a short amount of time, what that does to the body. And I think that's what JT Miller is concerned about. But what what's weird about it all, Dave, is that both sides kind of agreed to all of this. Now, I don't know if you can kind of change things moving forward because circumstances change, but I don't think it's anything the Players Association didn't know couldn't happen. I think JT Miller's just frustrated that you're asking us to play a lot of games in a short amount of time. And as Rick Bonus said last month, Dave, I think, the human body's not meant to play that many games in a short amount of time playing hockey. Well, and, and so it's both, right? It's it's the fact that there is a condensed schedule based on these postponements. And in this case, it is COVID-related. So what made this situation different from the one that, say, the Dallas Stars had in the preseason or even New Jersey and Buffalo had a lot of guys go on the list. Presumably, they tested positive. They caught the virus. And again, this is all like not even secondhand. Like I'm, I'm kind of reading between the the lines here, and and kind of like vague reporting. Elliot Friedman had some stuff, just not specific, but it sounds like this variant is causing much more severe symptoms. Maybe not everybody got severe symptoms, but some players did get yeah. more severe symptoms, and more players had symptoms as opposed to these other sure. situations where maybe some players tested positive, but they were asymptomatic. And that means that you're ailing, right? You have symptoms. You are not feeling well. And we have enough anecdotal evidence from this pandemic that just because you are no longer testing positive and, and shedding the virus, I guess, you could still feel not well, right? Sure. So... I think you mentioned your dad, right? Like he had it and so he was no longer he was no longer positive, but it took him a little while, didn't it? To Oh, to with the, the recovery. Yeah, I mean it was just, well, and for him he lost weight, you know, okay. his energy was sapped. So sure. you're not going to ask him to go play 19 games in 31 days. I understand that, but right. you know, Scott is right. If if the players are coming back, they are no longer "quote unquote" testing positive, not "quote unquote." They're no longer yeah. testing positive for COVID. They can't spread it to anybody else. Okay, that's one box you check, but what kind of condition are they in? How easily do they get fatigued? Sure. Do they have this brain fog? You know, yeah, do they have respiratory issues? Uh, I mean, I think that, and we don't have the answer to this question, but, and, and certainly the people who are making the decision understand that some players may be affected and maybe you have enough other players that you can actually fulfill the requirements of the schedule. But I think that's what makes this Vancouver situation different. It does from the other ones that we've had already this year. And that's where I think the, the NHL needs to have a little more leeway, too, with who you can call up and who you can't. Maybe expand the rosters a little bit for a team like Vancouver. In other words, Dave, if they have like six or seven guys who are struggling, the other guys look like they're fit, ready to go, 
maybe they don't have their legs with them just yet, but maybe there is some sort of exemption you can give with bringing guys from the taxi squad over, maybe bringing up some guys from their minor leagues that are okay. that can play. I, I understand there's some logistic issues there. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. What I'm saying is I think you have to maybe be a little more sympathetic to their issue physically. Don't penalize them right. as much. And if you can bring up a few more guys than you typically would to get them through this period of time, that's what I would do because I, the NHL, they're, they're going to plug along. Some other teams, I didn't realize this, Buffalo and the Devils, kind of similar schedule issues when they were running through some of their circumstances where they basically, once everybody was back, they yeah. had like one practice. But, you know, both those teams stink, but it's not a coincidence. I don't think that both of those teams really struggled after that either. And so and I, they, I, do, I know Buffalo, I remember hearing Ristolainen. Ristolainen had a rough goal of it. He really did. He really did. There I don't know if there were any devils. There. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if there were any devils players that were really hit hard by getting the virus. But Ristolainen was affected. He was. It's something certainly I think the the NHL and the Players Association, they, they probably just need to use logic here. And I understand you want to finish the season. I'm all for it. Yeah. But I think you have to be safe too. This it's interesting. The thing he, he mentioned that Elliot brought up, Scott Lachlan brought this yeah. up, they interviewed Elliot Friedman earlier today that they were wondering about what to do with the points percentage relating to the yeah. draft lottery. Just do, right. I mean, I think that's an easy solution. You just do everyone points percentage. Yeah. You Whether did. you played 56 or 50 or 53, yeah. you have a points percentage. Yep. Uh, I think, I think that of that the be issues that would be, what do I know? But I, I I'm just spitballing here. That would sure. seem to be a, a fairly straightforward yeah. solution that, you know, in the AHL under a normal season, the, the teams that are playing out West, a lot of them are California-based, Stockton, Ontario. There's an Ontario, yeah. California. They're the Kings affiliate. They don't play as many games. I think they play 76, Yeah. whereas the other teams play 82. And so they, they are integrated into the standings based on points percentage. Points percentage. In fact, yeah, I think they do point. the whole league points percentage, yeah. don't they? I think you're right. I think you are right. That's a good point by you oh look i think scott's right if, if you have four games left at the end of the year between vancouver and ottawa and both teams have basically been mathematically eliminated do you it's really easy. need to play those games well it depends we've talked about retaining that revenue you know yeah. um that revenue is such a big deal now, i tell you right now if they have fans in the stands which they're not but if they did there's no way in heck they're canceling four games the owners want that money it's on you right now they'll they'll, they'll address 25 those rest 18 or 19 guys like me or you, Dave, if they can recoup some of that gate loss. And um, I do think that plays a part in it. But I think you have to be smart about it. And we'll see how it plays out moving forward. Dave, I'll see you tonight. Should be a good yeah, I'll see you tonight. Tomorrow we will we will do a deep dive into tonight's game. Hopefully a yeah. much better Hopefully performance for the Lightning. No doubt about that. All right. He's Dave Michigan. Thanks to Steve Versick. I'm Greg Linelli. Thanks to Scott Lachlan as well. We will be with you tonight starting at 6 o'clock with Kaylee and Bernsey. And then I'll have the pregame at 6.30 right here on Lightning Power Play.